Well, I am very blessed to be here today. Um, when I came in the door in Pastor Steve's office, uh, the first thing he said to me, he said, welcome home. It's like, wow, it, it feels like home. Uh, I'm very blessed to be here. Thank you for having Gina and I here today, and Gina every day during the week, I guess. Uh, it's a blessing to have her serving here. But I want to thank the congregation, first of all. You know, this week is a big week in family life of Penns Valley's history. On April 25th, 2004, uh, you, this congregation, planted us. And uh, 14 years ago, any of you feel old out there? Uh, I'm feeling older. You know, I feel more gray. I look more gray, I know. But 14 years ago, we were blessed to plant a church, and you were a part and are still a part of that. The thing that I love about our congregation and this congregation is that we um, have remained close. We have remained together in this, and we are so blessed to be a part of State College Assembly. So thank you. Um, I'm excited to preach today. Are you ready to hear the word? Um, if you have your Bibles, would you take them? Would you stand with me just for a moment? And I'd like to read a couple of verses that I'm going to get to at the end of the message, but I'd like to read them at the beginning while we stand. Second uh, Chronicles, if you turn there with me, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 14 and 15. The title of my message today is Our Only Hope, and I will share a little bit about the bike trip and, and what happened on that trip, but, uh, but the most important thing I share is going to come right from here, amen? It's the Word of God that will change our lives. Second Chronicles 7, verses 14 and 15, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. Heavenly Father, we give you honor, and we give you praise today. Your word and your name is above everything else. And so today we stand in honor of it, and we thank you for the Word of God. And I pray that as, as it goes forth, that it would touch each and every heart in this room, that it would change us, that it would make us more like you, Jesus, and that your Word will accomplish its intended purposes in our hearts today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Yeah, I said to Gina when we were just sitting down there, I was like, I'm, I'm nervous. <laughs> it's like, you know, and I think that's okay, right? Um, get out of the way too, you know, but I do feel at home, but I don't know a lot of you either, and, and I'm just really excited to be here, and I'm excited to share the word today, and I want to begin in Second uh, Chronicles, not 7, but go to chapter 15 with me. I'll go back to chapter 7, but I want to begin in, ver in chapter 15, and, and the slides will be behind me as well if you don't have your Bibles today, but I'm reading from the New King James Version. Second Chronicles chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. And this was after Solomon's death. The first part that I read from chapter 7 
was when the Lord appeared to Solomon. But this is after Solomon's death. And I'll get back to those verses. But look at these two in chapter 15. It says, Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, and he was a prophet, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa. Asa was the king of Judah. And said to him, Hear me, Asa, in all Judah and Benjamin. Now notice this. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, everybody say seek. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now, that word seek, I want to just kind of pause there a moment, and then I'll get back to what it means to, about forsaking. And that word seek means to desire something or someone and to pursue that earnestly, to desire something, to pursue something, to seek something means that you go after it. Do you know what I mean? When I was, and that could be a relationship, and I, and I often think of my wife. That's a good thing, husbands, right? <laughs> when my kids were younger and I would use them as an example in my sermons, it got to the point where they're like, Dad, you should start paying us every time you mention us. <laughs> Gina's never said that yet. She would be one rich lady, probably. <laughs> but to seek something means to pursue it, to diligently go after it. When I met Gina 30 years ago, I was seeking after her. 31. Oh, she's correcting you. 31. <laughs> Thank you. I had a thought, but I'll skip that. <laughs> but when, when I saw her 31 years ago, and some of you know this story from years ago, I saw her and I said, hmm, she's pretty. I would like to seek her and go after her. And so I began pursuing her. I asked her out on a date. She was, I wasn't going to share all this, but she, was, she had a boyfriend at the time, and I asked her to go out, and I said, would you like to go to the mall? And she said, well, I kind of have a boyfriend. And I'm like, well, kind of. You know, I'm thinking, kind of. isn't." So anyway, she agreed. And we went to the mall just shopping, and, and after the mall, we came home, dropped her off. The next day, I sent her a dozen roses. I was seeking her and pursuing her. Six weeks later, I asked her to marry me. We waited a year to get married, and now it's been 30 years this year. But see, I... I would have never won her heart if I would have never sought her and, and, and I needed to seek her and pursue her. The Bible says that we are to seek the Lord. Amen? This verse that I read here, look with me again in that verse. It's, it says, if you seek him, first Chron or Second Chronicles 15, verse 2 again, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will forsake you. To seek the Lord means to, here are a few things, to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Amen? To forsake the things that offend the Lord. Amen? It says, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, didn't he say, seek what? 
first. His kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. We are to diligently seek him and desire to love the Lord God with all our what? All our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. So we are to seek the Lord, right, and desire him. Now look at that verse, though, in in that second verse. If you seek him, he will be what? He will be found by you. But if you forsake him, wait, does this make sense? He will what? Forsake you. Now, we know the verse in Hebrews 13, 5. I think I have it coming up next, right? It says, I will never what? Leave you, nor forsake you. But we just read that the prophet Azariah said to Asa, the king, if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So which one is it? Yes. It's both. See, this verse, I want to just take you there for a moment, because as we seek the Lord, we find him, and as we seek him, would you agree that he will never leave us nor forsake us? Amen? As we seek him. But if we forsake him, he will forsake us. Now, I'm not saying God is um, omnipresent. Do you know what that means, right? He is everywhere all the time. So in reality, he's always here, right? But personally, in our lives, if we forsake the Lord, he will forsake us. You remember when you were, boy, now I'm going to give, in, in 1988 is when I was saved as well. And I used to hear the phrase backsliding. You remember that phrase? You're backslidden. Is backslidden a word? Sounds like south, right? You're backslidden. What? But remember that? And that kind of kept my heart, you know, you don't want to backslide. You don't want to fall away from the Lord. And then there were times that the people came back to the Lord, right? And see, we've got to be careful. Actually, this verse in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you know where that originally comes from? It's an Old Testament quote. Actually, Moses said it to Joshua and to the Israelites before they were going to go into the promised land. In Deuteronomy 31, he says, I will never leave you, the Lord says. I will never forsake you as you go into the promised land. In Joshua, in the next chapter, in the next book, in Joshua 1, verse 5, the Lord spoke to Joshua before they went into the promised land, and this is what he said, I will never, what, leave you as you go into this land and overtake it. I will never forsake you. Are you with me, church? See, Hebrews 13, 5, the whole, the whole verse, do you know what it's really talking about? If you read the whole verse, it's talking about covetousness and being content with what we have because he will never leave us nor forsake us. Are you following me there? Sometimes we got to look at the entirety of the verse to get the whole meaning of the verse. There's, uh, just for instance, I might take a couple bunny trails here. Is that okay? It's 11. How many of you know that unless you look at the whole verse, like that verse, I will never leave you nor forsake you, you've got to look at the whole context of a verse. How many of you ever heard the verse in James? It says, resist the devil, 
and he will what? Flee from you. Do you believe that? Do you know there's a first part of that? I heard somebody praying or encouraging somebody once saying, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The first part of the verse says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's a three-part verse, right? See, there's so many people going around trying to resist the devil and he's not fleeing. Do you know why? Because their lives aren't submitted to God. But do you know when your life is submitted to God, you can resist the devil and he has no choice but to flee. Right? And so we've got to make sure that the verses that we read are in the, con- the whole context of what we're trying to learn. Now, our country, let me go to this. This is the message we took, Mission 66. Our country has forsaken the Lord God Almighty. How can we ask God to bless America when we as a nation have forsaken him? We've kicked God and his word out of our schools. We've killed millions of babies and passed laws to support it. We've even tried to change God's plan for marriage. How many of you know that all the laws in the world can never change the word of God? Our only hope, the title of this message, our only hope, church, is Jesus Christ and the return to his word. I had these shirts made, and, and uh, boy, they went and they sold, and, and we have them out at the table. Actually, I'll share this briefly, that it says on the shirt, um, only Jesus can make America great again. Right? And I'll, I'll warn you with this. Now, this is actually a good thing. It's a great witnessing tool. If you wear it, we just came back from Florida on Friday, and we are getting off the plane. You know how the pilots come out when, whenever you're leaving, and they say, hey, go have a good day or whatever. And I think it was the main pilot. He, he was out there, and we're walking down the aisle to get off the plane, and, and he looks at me. We get up to him. He's like, nice shirt. You see, people, they know deep in their hearts that only Jesus can make America great again. Only his word can change the hearts of men and women. And it's only him that is going to make our country great again. His word, God's word is infallible, amen? It's incapable of error. It's never wrong. It's trustworthy. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, every word of God is flawless. Every word of God is flawless. It is pure. And his word and Jesus Christ is our only hope. And I believe that there are people that are wanting to see revival in this country again. Can you say amen? You know, I was with a friend. I I met a guy in Pittsburgh area, and he has a Christian ministry with athletes. And he was sharing with me, there's a high school in, in the Pittsburgh area. And there's a Christian club in that high school organized by the students. And do you know what they've just been given permission to do? Hold on to your seats here, okay? I didn't even tell Gina this yet. They have been given permission by the superintendent of the high school, this Christian club, to distribute 700 Bibles in the school whenever they want to. (laughs) 
It's organized by the students. Young people here today, you can change your world in your school. I'm excited because Jesus Christ and the Word of God go hand in hand. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13.8, it says this, is the same yesterday, say it with me, today, and what? And forever. Matthew 24, verse 35, if you want to turn there, it says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Amen? In Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19, it says this, that we are not to add anything to the word, and we are not to take away anything from the words of this book. You see, his word is true. His word is infallible. The main reason that I believe that our country is in a backslidden condition is we have forsaken the word of God, and we have forsaken Jesus. When I was saved in 1988, that was a big year for me, actually. Um, it's 21 years old. I graduated from Penn State. Some of you may not know that in, in business management. Um, I didn't know the Lord until I was a senior. Actually, April this month in 1988 is when I gave my life to Christ. I was a senior at Penn State, but I was home on break. I was at a funeral home. And uh, visiting with my mom and dad, friends who had lost someone. And this old man came over to me and never met him before, met him once. And he said to me, would you like, do you know Jesus as your Savior? I'm like, no, I don't. Would you like to? And yes, because my mom and dad were saved two years prior to that. And they were wanting me to get saved. And so in that funeral home, we grabbed hands and formed a circle. He prayed with me to receive Christ as my Savior. 30 years ago, that same year in in August, uh, I graduated from Penn State in business management, and then then two weeks after that, Gina and I got married, and then shortly after that, the Lord called me to begin studying for ministry. 1988 was a big year for me, and uh, and, and it feels like 30 years, I'm like 51. I'm like, man, am I really 51? But I remember that word, backslidden, when I was first saved. And I have to ask ourselves, church, has the church today, the church world today, become more accepting of sin? Where we, his people, need to humble themselves, need to pray need to seek his face, need to turn from our wicked ways. You ever been there before? I've been there. And say, Lord, forgive me. I repent of that. Because that's the promise. See, Ephesians 2.8, I love that verse. Don't you love his grace? We sang about it this morning, amen? Ephesians 2.8, doesn't it say, and it's up here behind me, for grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Praise the Lord. His grace is the gift of God for our salvation. But church, Paul warned us in Galatians 5 verse 13. 
He said, don't use your grace or your freedom or your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Right? See, you got to take the scripture in its entirety. We are saved by grace. Where would we be without God's grace? But at the same time, Paul's saying, be careful, church, that you don't just use that grace to do whatever you want, to live however you want. And I wonder if our nation is in the condition that it is, not so much because of the political systems that we're a part of, but because of the church. For revival to happen, the church must repent. The church must get back to the word of God. The church must get back to making Jesus Christ first and foremost in their hearts. Are you with me? That's when revival will happen. Mission 66. I, I got to share a little bit about, I'll get back to the message. Can I take an intermission here? I'm not going to go anywhere except to get a drink of water. Because <laughs> my mouth is, okay, thank you. Mission 66 uh, was last fall, September, October. We took a team of 15 people, nine bikers and six on the support team, and we, we biked from Chicago to Santa Monica, California, and we prayed, Lord, show us people that need saved. Show us people in the church that need to come back to the Lord. And uh, we, we took a trip on, on Route 66, and um, to see the Lord work through that was just amazing. Before I show you some pictures... This was a call back to God's people, to biblical values. In 2014, when Her was Harold here? Where's Harold at? Harold, this guy's amazing. <laughs> you believe it's been four years, Harold, in Betty Lou? Crazy, isn't it? Four years ago, Harold and I, this month, I think, it was April, yep, end of April, we uh, biked from Santa Monica, California to St. Augustine, Florida on a trip called Coast to Coast for Jesus. That's what the book's about out there. Don't quit. Because Harold and I wanted to quit on day number two. <laughs> <laughs> and we had 36 more to go. <laughs> and we didn't share that in the beginning. We found out about that later in our hearts, but we were feeling the same thing after 95 miles on day two, after I had never biked more than 26 miles at one time, I'm like, what in the world have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> and I wanted to quit, and there's a whole story in there about how Gina texted me that next morning, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber, and on and on. I began memorizing that in the bike. And his word in the Holy Spirit took us coast to coast for Jesus. And we saw people come to know the Lord. It, it, towards the end of that trip, her sister, my wife's sister, asked me this question. She said, so I've been following this on social media and everything. She said, so when are you going to do this again? I'm like, really? <laughs> when am I going to do this again? And my thought was, I just can't wait to be off this bike seat and, and for 38 days. And I'm like, you're crazy. Or, no, I'm crazy, I guess. <laughs> but then I got done with that, and the Lord began to stir my heart again. 
Mission 66, Route 66, 66 books in the Bible, and our country needs to get back to every one of them. And we pedaled with nine bikers and six support team, and we went from Chicago to Santa Monica, and I just have a few pictures. You want to go from Chicago to Santa Monica with me real quick? Say, sure, Pastor KR. All right, okay, so here we go. This was our home for 32 days. Um, we had a, a couple in the church. They bought a camper. Their truck wasn't big enough to pull it, so they bought a truck. <laughs> they were, how many of you know, they were all in. <laughs> and so this was our home for 38 days. The next picture that you'll see, um, we went from uh, Chicago, as I said, through eight states, traveled about 80 miles a day on the bike. Next, next slide. Our starting point was in Chicago um, at Grand, Grand Park, I believe it's called. The next slide, one of my favorites. There's a gentleman there, I don't know his name. But he's holding one of these tracks that we wrote for the trip, Mission 66. Talks about knowing Jesus as your Savior. We passed out over 1,000 of these on the trip. And we passed out over seven, about 70 Gospels of John because it wasn't about a bike trip. Right? Where you go to work isn't about your job. Where you bank isn't about your money. Where you eat isn't about the food. It's about the people that are around you, right? And see, every time we leave our door every morning, there are people the Lord is putting in our path. So this man, I had a chance to just put one in his hand. The next slide, where's Joel at? He's up there. Where's Joel? One of your own was on this trip. And Joel, man, what an amazing guy. And we had some great conversations together. I just like that picture of him and I there. But Joel's a great guy. He was part of the trip. The next trip, the next few pictures, just some of the amazing scenes that we saw. Um, that picture there, every morning we would gather together, would put our front tires together, and we would pray, Lord, bring us people that you want us to minister to. The next slide um, is in the Arch of St. Louis there. It's a cool picture. Uh, the next one, a man that I met from Kuwait. He could hardly speak any English. But when I prayed with him, I wanted to get him to say just Jesus. And he did in a way that I think, it was like, oh, that sounded so good. He could hardly understand what I was saying. But there was a, his daughter, she was going to the University of St. Louis for her Ph.D., and Joel had the opportunity, because he's going for his Ph.D., to come over and speak with her, and they wanted to, she wanted to know more. She had, she had she, uh, yeah, she spoke good English, not like me. Uh, <laughs> but we put the Gospel of John in her hand as well, and Joel had a great opportunity there to speak with her. The next slide, um, we saw some dead animals. That was after a really hard day. That isn't me. <laughs> That's one of our, Dalton, our youth leader at our church. It was a windy, hard day, uh, winds against us. It, it, was, it was tough. Next slide. 78-year-old man biked with us. He turned 79 in October. The last day of the bike trip, just like he did, the Lord did for Harold, uh, gave him strength. The Lord gave him strength. He biked 100 miles in one day. <laughs> crazy. A couple of the next slides, just some pictures along the route there that you could see. Um, this is the midpoint, right? 1,139 miles from Los Angeles to Chicago, right there at midpoint, Texas. I just like the next slide. We saw some beautiful sunrises in the morning. 
I was taken with my phone. It was crazy. This next slide, we met a man in Santa Rosa, New Mexico, who ate at a restaurant. His name is John. Uh, he's beside the guy, or beside us, the guy in the yellow shirt and myself. His name's John. He was our waiter. As I asked about praying for him, he said this. He got so excited and said, I've been praying for someone to come by that would pray for my mom. And we prayed with John. And then after we ate out front, he was calling his mom on the phone. And he had me talk with his mom. It's like, Mom. And she's probably thinking, who is this guy? But how many of you know, there's a verse in, in Proverbs 16, 9 that says, In our hearts a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. You may have a course planned out in your life or your day, but every step you take, if we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, he will take you exactly where he wants you to be. Amen? This next slide, man, Lowane, Native American man in the middle there. We pulled into this little town. There wasn't much there at all, but Lowane pulls in. And at first, when I went over to talk with him, Brian came over and joined me. He was very hard. And then we started sharing with him about Jesus. And you know what happened to this man? He began to get tears in his eyes. And before you knew it, he was praying with us to say, Jesus, forgive me. I need you as my Savior. You see, that's what the trip was all about. Joe and I were at the Grand Canyon on the next photo there. Just a neat picture there. This next photo we have, uh, we, we spoke at Flagstaff and Assembly of God Church there. And six or seven people got saved that day. The next slide, we, we met at that service a Navajo code talker. Anybody know what? There's only like 14 or 15 left in the country. He was at that service that day. His name was Samuel Sandoval. Blessing to meet people along the trip. We met people, the next slide, from Germany and all over the world. People travel Route 66. How many have ever been on that, that road before? Okay, it's a great trip. You meet people from all over the world. They were from Germany and, and people from everywhere. One of the signs that we saw on the next slide there, this was in a window, and this was the message that we were taking with us. We saw it twice in different places. America's prayer is our only hope, Second Chronicles 7.14. A couple of the next slides are just photos of the team, and you can just keep going there. Um, Joel's there again, and some of the others. Um, this is in front of one of the places, and just had a great team of people that were really committed to the vision and the purpose. This was our ending point. This is when we just <laughs> were done, <laughs> and we were like, thank you, Jesus. Um, this guy on the right, let me share this real quick. He doesn't have one of the biking outfits on, right? This guy came from, he flew to Den, from Denmark to New York City. He's about 22, 23 years old. He bought a, like a mountain bike type of thing, and he decided by himself, no support team, to bike from New York to California. And we met him. He was not a believer, but he hung out with us for about two weeks. It was pretty neat. Next slide, just a couple more. Our son and, his and our daughter-in-law we met in L.A. That's where Luke lives now. Some of you know Luke. He has long hair now, right? Well, the next, the next slide is one of the best moments of the trip. I was home. I mean, you know, it's good to come home. Amen? Let me get back to the message now. 
Repentance, church, seeking the Lord, revival begins with us. Right? I wrote this down, and I I really feel it's for me and for us today. Revival doesn't happen in political arenas. It happens in the hearts of men and women. Right? Revival happens in the hearts of men and women. We're good, right, at looking how messed up the world is, but they're messed up because they don't know Jesus. Right? Why do we get so surprised when sinners act like sinners? They don't have Jesus, right? Do you remember before you knew Jesus? I was pretty messed up. But I'm glad that somebody loved me enough and said, do you need him in your life? See, judgment doesn't begin in the church, or or judgment must begin in the church. We're not called to judge unbelievers, but we are called in the church to say, hey, some things need to be different here. Right? I'm talking about the church, the people, me, you. So what does getting back to the word in revival and getting back to a real deep commitment to Jesus Christ look like? Go to 2 Kings chapter 23 with me. I want to kind of share a few thoughts about a king named Josiah. 2 Kings chapter 23. I want to read the first three verses here. How many of you would like to be a king when you were eight years old? (laughs) Eight years old, Josiah became king. Pretty crazy, huh? So listen to this. It says, Now the king, Josiah, sent them to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah, and with him all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. Now notice this. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people, notice this, all the people took a stand for the covenant. Where did they find the word? In the house of the Lord. See, it had been lost. If you read the previous chapter, they had went to the the house of the Lord. It was in shambles. and, And they found the book of the law, which was probably the first five books of the Old Testament. And they began to read it. And Josiah, look in verse 25 of this chapter. It says, Now before him, Josiah, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might. Doesn't that sound like what Jesus said? The first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's what Josiah did. That's what we must do today. Church, we must diligently begin to seek the Lord. 
If we want to see revival in our, in our hearts, in our families, in our churches, in our country, it begins with us. Revival. Another word, sometimes from the past. We don't hear much about sometimes anymore, but it begins with us. There's a story about a man named Gypsy Smith. How'd you like to have that name, Gypsy? <laughs> he was a 19th century revival speaker. He would go from town to town. Gypsy Smith. But when he went to a town, before he went into that town, I read this story where he would get down on the ground and he would draw a circle in the dirt before he went into the town. And he would step inside that circle and he would pray. He would say, oh Lord, send revival to this town and let it begin inside this circle. Bless you. <laughs> Isn't that where it needs to begin, church? Not, in, not me saying it has to begin in you, 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 you. No, it better begin in me. In church, I'll be the first to say, I need to get in a circle. <laughs> because there are so many things in this world that's distracting me at times. Are you with me? And my heart can be divided in so many different places that I have to, every day, say, Lord, I want you to begin revival, not out there, but right here inside this circle, inside my heart. Are you with me, church? And see, that's where revival begins. And as we go, as we, I am winding down this message. But that's where it has to be. In 2 Chronicles 7, we go back to where we began this, this message at. Go with me to 2 Chronicles 7. This was God's second appearance to Solomon as he dedicated the temple. And I want to read these verses 14 and down to 22. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. Church, how many of you know, how many of you want God's eyes to be open and his ears to be attentive to your prayers? Man, it's huge. Verse 16, for now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. As for you, the Lord says to Solomon, if you walk before me as your father David walked and do according to all that I have commanded you and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom as I have covenanted with, your, with David, your father, saying you shall not fail to have a man as ruler in Israel. But notice this. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot them from my land, which I have given them. In this house, which I have sanctified for my name, I will cast out of my sight and will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And as for this house, 
which is exalted. Everyone who passes by will be astonished and say, why has the Lord done thus to this land in this house? Then they will answer, because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt and embraced other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, he has brought all this calamity on them. America has forsaken the Lord and our only hope and our only way back is through Jesus Christ in the word of God. Revival will never come until we repent, until we cry out, until we seek him. He said in, in, in verse 14, if we humble ourselves, would you agree America is a pretty proud country? I love the country I live in. How many of you love the country? I love our country, but we can, we're a very proud country. James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves. Church, that's us. Pray. Seek His face. Not just His hand in prayer. Repent and turn from our wicked ways. We can't live in sin and expect God to bless our lives, let alone our land. Then He will hear from heaven. He will forgive our sin. Then He will heal our land. Church, this is our only hope. Just share one more verse in closing. 2 Kings chapter 23. Go back there with me. I read it already. But this is the verse I'd like to close with today. And maybe Pastor Kyle could come up. I think he's going to come to the keys there if he would. 2 Kings 23. The king stood by a pillar when they had found the book of the, the law, the word. When they discovered it. And he began to read and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. Now notice this. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. Now, Josiah was probably, he wasn't eight years old at that time. He was probably around 26 years old at that time. It was 18 years later after he became king. First of all, are there any eight-year-olds in here? They're in kids' church, right? And the kids' church workers are saying, oh, I hope he's done soon. <laughs> See, I know what it's like being over there for hours. <laughs> some of my children's workers that were with me, and, and you had to think of one more song, one more illustration, one more game. And my wife's peeking in the door and saying, when are they going to be done? <laughs> but no eight-year-olds in here, right? But imagine, it says there was no other king like Josiah. Dave, even David who had a heart after God, right? But Josiah did something really special. When they discovered this book, the Word of God, 
You can read in the previous chapter. I encourage you to do that today or tomorrow. Read the previous chapter into this chapter. And Josiah was so distraught that he said, we're going to read this book. Could you imagine if I would, would have stood here today and read the first five books of the Old Testament to you? <laughs> How many of you would be like, man, <laughs> it's dinner time <laughs> and we're only through Leviticus. <laughs> but he was so committed to the word and he said, you know, you read the rest of this story. Josiah said, we're going to clean house and we're going to get things right. You see, I think why Josiah was said there was no king before him or after him like him is because he was so committed to the word of God when they found it. In the house of the Lord, they found it, and it wasn't being lived by. And Josiah said, no more. You got to clean the temple. Church, we are his temple. We are his house. right? And today, I believe that there's a circle for each of us here, that maybe it's your heart or my heart that we need to say, you know what, Lord, send revival, but let it begin inside of this circle. Let it begin inside of me. I'm going to ask you something. If that is your heart's cry today, it said the people took a stand, right? For the covenant. First of all, you may know Jesus today, and I hope you all do. But you're feeling right now, man, I need to step in that circle today and say, let revival begin again in me. Maybe the fire has gone out. Maybe you've chosen things in your life that has caused the Lord to not become the love of your life anymore. And you want to say today, in this circle, I'm taking a stand for the covenant. Would you do that? Just stand right where you're at. The circle's right where you're at. You say, today, I'm going to take a stand in my heart for this covenant that I gave my life to whenever you did. I'm joining you in that circle. You may be here and you may have never made a covenant with the Lord and asked him to be your savior. And this is for you. If you've never done that before and you need to take a stand for Jesus and say, I want to give my life to Christ today. I'm going to ask you to do something even bolder is to come down here and join me right here in this circle. And I'm sure there will be some Maybe some elders here or others that could come. Anybody? You need to just come down and say, today, I'm saying I'm making a covenant with Jesus in my heart, in my life. Just come on down. Anybody? Most of you are standing already. Let me encourage you from this day as we go, and we're going to end with, uh, I think Kyle's going to play and then sing something. And I want to open these altars for prayer. And Pastor Steve, thanks for having me today. I'd love to pray with some of you here today. But as we go from here, let me encourage you with this. Take this message to the lost. That Jesus loves them. 
just begin a conversation with someone who may not know Jesus. Ask them about their day. Begin a conversation. Take an interest in them. If somebody treats you at Walmart in line or cuts in front of you, don't get mad at them. Start talking to them. Say, Lord bless you. Have a good day. People are hurting around us, church, right? Let's take the message with us today. Lord, as we close here, you see each and every heart that is standing today. You see ones that may not know you today in this place. But Lord, wherever we are, we just thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for the covenant you made with us. And we stand today and say, Lord, inside this circle of my heart, would you begin a revival? Help us to love you with all our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. And take this message with us. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.